Oh, Father, we thank you once again for the opportunity to come together as a church body, to worship you, to exalt you, Lord, here in this place, to fellowship together and to lift up the name of Jesus, to, to exalt our God. You have been so, so good to us, Lord. We thank you for answered prayer. We thank you, Lord, just for the many, many blessings that you have bestowed upon us. Uh, most of all, the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we want to worship you here. And we invite your presence. You told us if we would gather, you would be here. So we thank you for that, Lord. Just guide our time here. Let your anointing, God, be upon this imperfect minister this morning. And let your word come forth to our hearts. Be glorified in it all. We thank you and we praise you, Lord. Let's pray together the Lord's Prayer this morning. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. I want to share with you this morning, uh, just briefly before we get into the message. And uh, I hit the ground running uh, Friday and Saturday. And uh, it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, I usually have a, a, a good amount of time uh, studying God's word and then spending some time in prayer with the Lord over what I've read and uh, having, some, having some fellowship with him. And like I said, I, I hit the ground running for two days in a row. And I just, it's like amazing what happened from the loss of those two days. The sense of the weight of the cares of the world was that much greater. Um, this, the sense of my own personal weakness and insecurity, that much greater. And uh, it just, I share that with you honestly and transparently. But, but, but just to say, number one, you're not the only one that goes through it. But number two, um, again, how important that time is to get into God's presence and to fellowship with him and to walk away from that place of prayer, knowing that you've spent time in the presence of God and just what that does for the rest of the day, uh, the rest of, you know, our lives. And uh, so just wanted to share that this morning. And my screen went off. Sorry, I've got a different, uh, different setup this morning. That uh, doesn't want to cooperate. There we go. All right. Well, another another holiday. Uh, Palm Sunday today, and want to kind of give us a look back at that day when Jesus rode into Jerusalem. So go ahead and turn to Luke 19 this morning. 
Luke chapter 19 and verse 28. Luke 19:28. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples saying, go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has yet ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, where are you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, can you imagine if somebody just gets in your car and starts driving? <laughs> why, why, why are you doing that? And they said, the Lord has need of it. So apparently they said, okay. And they brought it to Jesus and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the ground. I always thought that was kind of interesting. Here is a donkey that no one had ever sat on. Now, I, I, I don't know if donkeys have the same kind of a break-in that horses do, but I've seen all the Westerns. You know, you get on a horse for the first time. And uh, I've, I've told my wife, though, in the movies, you, you always see that extra strap like they put on uh, bucking broncs in, in rodeos. Um, so they, they make them buck on purpose. Uh, so I, I don't know, but I still think here is a donkey that no one's ever sat on. I don't think he's going to be too happy with all of that. And yet, isn't he the Lord over all creation? Doesn't he just put a hand on that donkey and the donkey goes, I know him, <laughs> right? So he sits on with no problem whatsoever. And as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Kind of sounds like the Christmas message, doesn't it, with the angels singing. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered them, I tell you, if these were silent the very stones would cry out. I want to share a message this morning entitled, Worthy of Praise. Worthy of Praise. You know, there were a number of times in the scripture where Jesus used, uh, you, you may probably remember this term from English class. You can remember back that far, hyperbole, right? Exaggeration to make a point. Like if your hand makes you sin, cut it off, because it would be better to go into heaven without that hand, right, than to go into hell with a full body, right? A true statement, absolutely a true statement. I mean, it would be better in the long run to be lame going into heaven, right? Absolutely. Um, if... That could actually stop us from sinning, which it can't. Uh, it's a heart thing. But Jesus doesn't uh, expect us to, you know, if we, if we have that kind of a, a problem, he doesn't actually expect us to cut our hands off. Everybody glad of that today? Uh, that's not 
what he's really saying. Although there are things, and the point of that scripture is, the point of his words is, there are things that bring temptation into our lives, aren't they? Things that we may need to seriously think about cutting off, right? Um, Internet, right? Um, what was that movie? Oh, where the guy had had an internet addiction and he ended up taking a baseball bat to his computer to save his marriage. Uh, fireproof. Yeah. Um, he realized that that was just a constant thing. He says, I've got to get rid of that computer. It's it's destroying my marriage. It's destroying my life. And we have to make those kinds of decisions right every now and then. Um, so re relationships, anything that would that is leading us in our lives away from God, away from his will, away from his word. Those kind of things we need to seriously look at and say, do I need to cut this off? But that's that's a message for another day. Um, or another example, uh, when Jesus says if, if we're going to follow him, then we need to hate our mother and our father and our wives and our kids, uh, right? Does he actually mean that we're supposed to hate our families? No, obviously. But that, that word, that, that message there is compared to the love that we have for him, everything else should look like hatred. So how much more should we love the Lord? How much more uh, important is he in our lives than everything and everybody else? So it's, it's a kind of a comparative thing. Uh, now, in this case, I, and I, I use that to say in this case, I don't think that Jesus was using hyperbole. Um, and I don't know if we can really, really understand the enormity of that day and that hour. But think about it. It's not simply that Israel was welcoming their Messiah, although that was huge. They had been waiting century after century after century for their promised king to come and, and deliver them out of oppression and et cetera, et cetera. And, and now here he is. I mean, that was huge. That was the most significant event in Israel ever, right? But did Jesus only come for Israel? No, he came for the whole world. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 22, he says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Right? The earth, think about it, the earth, from the Garden of Eden, the earth came under the curse of sin, didn't it? That which was perfect, that which was peaceful, that which was serene and beautiful became something where thorns and thistles and disease and, and death and, and animals killing other animals and all that came as a result of the curse, right? So the whole earth, I mean, even you know, the weather systems, you know, that we've seen as of late down in Alabama, right? The, the tornado, the destructive weather patterns that we've seen, um, all of that came into being as the curse of sin came upon the earth. So the whole of creation, Paul says, has been groaning under that 
curse. And now here comes Jesus. Here comes the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He who spoke the world into existence is now walking on the earth and riding into Jerusalem as King of kings and Lord of lords, right? And some who who understand at least a little bit of this are shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the king, right? They're shouting, they're carrying on. And the religious leaders who had rejected him as Messiah, they say that rebuke your disciples. Don't you understand who they're making you out to be? And Jesus answers, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. If the people did not acknowledge who he was, the very stones would. Just like in that last three hours of Jesus being on the cross, where the world, um, what does it say, darkness fell upon all of the land, right? Creation itself responding to this event, Right. And when Jesus on that same cross cried out and yielded up his spirit, what happened? The earth shook and the rocks split. See, there, there, there is a sense that creation responds to the creator. Right. That's why I don't think this is hyperbole here. I don't think it's exaggeration. If the people were silent and I don't know if the you know. I'm not thinking that the rocks are going to, you know, sprout mouths and, you know, but maybe they would resonate. Maybe they would shake. Maybe they would give off some kind of noise, whatever it was. But if the people did not acknowledge this creator, awesome God coming into Jerusalem, the very stones, creation itself would have acknowledged him on that day. Jesus Christ. King of kings, Lord of lords, the savior of the world is worthy of praise. He's worthy of praise. What about you and me? What about you and me? Is he worthy of our praise? Now, I could end the message on, you know, I could mic drop, right? And just leave us with that thought. Is he worthy of my praise? Which, of course, though, begs the question, so what do I do about it? What do I do about it? That's the question that I want to explore this morning. Did you know that there are seven different Hebrew words associated with with praise in the Bible. Each one of them brings out a different aspect, a different nuance to this thing called praise and uh, gives us insight into just how you and I can respond to that question, just how you and I can respond in praise to the Lord, this worthy God and Savior of ours. Because it's not meant to be a one-size-fits-all thing. For example, think of somebody that you love. Think of somebody that you love that you're close to. Do you always express that love in the same exact way? 
No, right? Um, different, different ways at different times. And so it is with praise. So I want to look at these seven words this morning, these seven uh, different expressions of praise, that since they are given, mentioned in the scriptures, uh, they are meant for us to learn and to understand uh, so that we can express that praise to the Lord and also experience that with him. Uh, Because each of the expressions also affects our hearts and our lives. Again, uh, if you're expressing love to someone, you give them a big hug. Don't you experience something too, right? You, you, You share in that expression. And it's the same thing with praise. Not, not that, you know, it, it's kind of like one of those things that uh, you can't outgive God. You know, it's, it's all about him. He's worthy of it and, and deserving of, of all of that. But he allows us to enter into that with him. And it's something that affects our lives each and every day. So I want to look at those. Um, and you'll see what I mean as we go. I want to express thanks to a gal named Alicia Purdy uh, on Crosswalk.com. Um, I've seen this list different ways, different places, but I kind of like the way uh, she words it. So I got a lot of this information uh, from her. Uh, the first word this morning is Barak. Barak. It's often translated bless. Psalm 34, 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. For the worshiper, Barak worship involves the physical act of kneeling like you would before a king, with your head bowed to express gratitude, submission, reverence, and humility. In Barak praise, we bring ourselves low to lift him high. Okay, do you see it? This is a bodily response of praise to the Lord. Something about it, uh, you, you and I can have a reverent attitude towards God, and that's great, and, and we should have that going on in our hearts. But there's something about expressing that when we're actually kneeling before the Lord. You know what I'm talking about? Um, you you can bow your head, right? Or, or you can you can just you can sit and have a reverent attitude, or you can bow your head, and that's a different kind of a, an experience. Or when you actually get on your knees, it's a different experience, isn't it? Right? So that's what this barak is. It's literally getting on our knees humbling ourselves in the sight of God. It's not just, so you you can see this praise thing is not just a heart thing, right? It's a whole person thing. Jesus said, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? It's, it's a, worship is a whole person kind of a thing. So, um, Again, what is, what is the difference between having love for a person and expressing that love with a hug? Two different, two different things. 
Our second word this morning is yada. Yada. Psalm 111, verse 1. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. It's translated here as give thanks. When you yada the Lord in worship, you specifically make a confession about God with your mouth and raise your hands in thanksgiving. You've prob- you're probably already doing this without realizing it in your worship services. Okay? It's, it's making a confession about God, who he is, what he has done. Right? God is good. And all the time, that's what we're talking about. Okay? You're making a confession. Um, but let me ask you this. When you make that confession... God is faithful. God is good. God is my salvation. He is my high tower. He's my fortress. He's my help in time. What does that do to your faith when that confession comes out of your lips? Right? Again, it's, it's one thing to think it up here or to have it as an attitude here. But when you express it, again, God made us this way for expression, when we express that confession with our mouth and our own ears hear it, it encourages us, it builds up our faith, strengthens us, right? So that is yada. Number three, shabach. I love Hebrew, shabach. Psalm 47.1, that's why we have people sitting back. Oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. Shout to God. In praise, Shabbat is a triumphant shout lifted to the Lord from people overwhelmed by his mercy or in agreement with his victory over enemies. Okay. Again, how does that affect our faith? How does that affect our confidence, our attitude over uh, as we look at our difficulties? To lift up that shout, God is good. God is the victor. He is my strength. Right? Praise the Lord. Those kinds of things, that, that shout has the ability to... Work things in us. I mean, my goodness, how many times have we shouted at a ball game? Right? And that's not to put down shouting at a ball game. That's fine. Right? Or, or to shout when, you're, when your child does something fantastic. Right? Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But, my goodness, isn't he worthy? <laughs> Hasn't he done incredible things for us? Isn't he our champion? Isn't he worth a shout? Right? Kind of new to people. Right? People, a lot of people have been taught, you know, you just, you're just reverent. Well, this is all part of it. This is what God calls normal. This isn't, this isn't fringy stuff. Right? God calls this normal. So, lifting up a shout. Number four, the word is zamar, zamar, Psalm 
153 and 4. Praise him with the trumpet sound. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dance. Right? To praise, zamar means to praise with musical instruments. It is, it is the praise word in the scriptures that turns our instruments into vehicles of worship, flowing from our hearts to the heart of God. We don't just have um, worship services with instruments because they sound nice and we like the accompaniment, which we do, right? We zamar because God has infused each instrument with a specific purpose and power. I wish I had the time to demonstrate this, um, <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm sure you've heard it, right? Think of a piano. Think of um, some of the music that you've heard or, or the, um, uh, the, the pipe organ when that and the whole building, right? There, there's a sense of something in that particular instrument or when the piano is, is either played forcefully and, and you're, again, you're almost in that shout mode or sometimes very light and melodic, right? It's a whole different experience. Um, drums, symbols, right? The emotions that, that, that come along with that or something like a violin in worship or, or a flute in the background. Uh, each of those instruments expressing something to the Lord uh, that's that's totally different. Each one has its own strengths, its own power, right, in praise. So Zamar is praising God on the instruments. Number five, Tada, Tada, Tada. Uh, Psalm fifty-one seventeen. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. Tada praise is related in its roots to yada and the lifting of hands in thanksgiving, but with an additional layer of complexity and depth, sacrifice, sacrifice. That's when you and I Responding in worship to the Lord, lay something down before him. Our hearts, right? Um, we lay down, we're, we're upset with somebody. We have every right to, to, to avenge ourselves against that somebody. And the Lord speaks to our hearts about loving our enemies. And we lay that down. We sacrifice that before the Lord. That um, thing that we talked about that's bringing temptation, drawing us away from the Lord. And, and we say, no, I, I, I got to get right with God. I got to go on in my spiritual growth. And, and we're before the Lord and we lay that thing down. We say, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm putting that aside because I want to love you more, right? That's tada, sacrifice. Because we understand that God has promised that in his way and in his time, he is going to bless us. He is going to fulfill all our needs. He is going to provide for us. So we say, Lord, I lay that down and I want to get my provision from you. Thank you for being my source. Thanksgiving 
and sacrifice. Number six this morning, Tahila. No, not tequila. Tahila. <clears throat> okay. Um, Psalm 40, verse 3. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Right? Tehillah is the intimate, spontaneous, unique, spirit-born praise that you write from your heart to his in the midst of worship. Sometimes Tehillah is called a spiritual song, as in Ephesians 5.19, or a new song, as we read in Psalm 40, verse 3. It will be different every time you sing with thanksgiving in your heart, because there's always a new reason to praise God. I thought about this. How many of us as children or have heard our children or grandchildren, uh, when they're in a great mood, they're happy, and they start singing these little jingles that they make up themselves, right? Spontaneous, on the spot. It's my birthday today. It's my birthday today. And they go singing around the house, right? That's what we're talking about here. That in, in worship to the Lord, you're just caught in who God is and what he's done. And you're just thankful. Hallelujah to the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for being my God. You know, just spontaneous, in the moment, uninhibited, childlike song to the Lord. Can I do that? Yeah, you can. I remember being in a uh, uh, worship service one time where I was quite uh, impressed by this young man. There, it was a time, you know, instruments going and all kinds of things. And this young man was probably in his early 20s. And he just started skipping around the sanctuary. He wasn't trying to be, you know, uh, that, that anybody would see him or acknowledge him or anything else. He was just, it was a time of, of worship to the Lord. And, and he just was so uninhibited before his father that he felt free to start skipping around. And uh, I, I just, it blessed me. It blessed me to watch that. So um, let me say this. For what ails you, I think better a shot of tequila than a shot of tequila any day. Right? If you really want the kind of heart uh, encouraging stuff that you don't have to feel guilty about the next day or whatever, right? Take a shot of tequila and call me in the morning. So, that's tequila. Finally, number seven. Where did they get this guy? Um, I never did put my humor on my resume, did I? Uh, my wife rolling her eyes again. Finally, number seven. The word halal. Halal, that's where we get our word. Hallelujah, right? Halal. Psalm 148, verse 1 and verse 7. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise the Lord from the earth. Right? The essence of halal is loud enthusiasm, joy, jumping, and spinning in celebration to the Lord. Again, think of a little child when... Uh, 
on Christmas morning or when it's their birthday and they're not only singing, but they're jumping up and down because you're getting the decorations out, you know, and they're expecting people over and it's all going to be great. And they're just joyful and, you know, carrying on, right? Loud, joyful, enthusiastic. Each time halal appears in the Bible, it's in celebration of the overwhelming realization of God's immeasurable greatness, right? Just to be so caught up in how great he is. Do you, do you see how, how personal this is? Now, obviously, the, these are things that can happen as we worship the Lord together as a congregation. I'm so looking forward to bringing back the instruments and, and, and everything. Um, but yes, they can happen in a, uh, in a collective setting in church. But these are also things that you, you people have showers <laughs> and cars, right? How many people have just been praising the Lord, just singing along with whether you can sing or not, you know, make a joyful noise to the Lord. And you're just belting it out in the car because God has been so good to you, right? That's the kind of thing we're talking about. Make it personal. Let it go, right? Let it go. All these things, these praise moments that you and I can enter into with God. It's, it's part of the connection. It's part of the fellowship. And not only is he completely worthy of all of it, whether it's, whether it's just loud and joyful and triumphant or humble and kneeling and thanksgiving and sacrifice, whatever it is, it's all part of that relationship that we have with him that we need to be entering into and connecting with him on an ongoing basis, right? This is a big part of that. There is, um, there, there, there is immense power in all of this, in what happens in our hearts. And again, I, I, I wish I could um, demonstrate that and all, but you, you will see if you begin to practice some of these things and just and some of you are already doing it. I'm not saying you're not doing it, but if, if this isn't your thing, if you were only taught one way is to bow your head and be reverent, I'm saying go for it. Let it go. God is good, and he has, he has done great things in our lives. Um, I, I talk about Mike. I bring this up. Mike was in a situation where he had a boss, I think I may have shared this once before, but he had a boss that was a tyrant. I mean, this guy was so bad that uh, he was the manager over the sales team and he, he just, nothing was ever good enough for him. He didn't encourage anybody. It was just numbers, numbers, drive, drive, drive. Um, reduced the one gal on the sales team to tears, just absolute tears. Um, another guy was under such stress, he lost all the hair on his body. I'm talking eyebrows. He just um, bald from head to toe. Uh, just the stress that this guy created. And my friend Mike, who, who I, you know, is one of the biggest examples of a Christ-like man to me, he said, Ron, I hated this man. And he said, I, I knew I couldn't hate him as a Christian, but then I finally had to admit before the Lord I hate this guy. I hate this guy. And 
what he ended up doing, the Lord brought him into his word and he said, it's time for you to let out that shout. And he began to, instead of seeing himself oppressed by this man, he began to see himself set free by the power of God. He began to see that his his life and his future and his well-being didn't rest in this guy, but rested in the Lord of heaven and earth. And he began to let loose with that shout of triumph and for probably 20 minutes, just let it loose. And he said, it was the most freeing thing that ever happened to me in my life, he said. All of a sudden, those chains and that weight, he said, were gone. They were gone. And from that point on, this man did not haunt me because I looked beyond him to my Father in heaven. So it's amazing. Uh, and, and again, I, I don't want to make it a me thing where it's all focused inward and, and what this does for me because, again, he's worthy. He's worthy and he's deserving of all of it. But it's amazing how God set this up because when we praise him, things happen in our lives as well. Amen. So. Whether it is demonstrative, whether it's like that quiet hug for who he is, for what he has done, not only for humanity, but for us as individuals, he's worthy of our praise. Amen. He's worthy of our praise. And now that you know that, are you going to let some stone are you going to let some rock outpraise you? Amen. Let's go ahead and hit that song this morning. You know, uh, that, that's practice for heaven. <laughs> I, and, I, and I know I... We have to be careful that we're not putting on productions for people, right? Um, you, you could tell the spirit of that. You, you, you had the voices, you had the song, you had the instruments, you had the shout, you had the dance. It was all going, and it was, you know, can you imagine what it's going to be like when we get to heaven? Do you think everybody's just going to be sitting there? No. Can you, can you, do you imagine... When you close your eyes on this earth for the last time and open your eyes in glory, do you think you're going to sit there and just, no, are you kidding? It's like, wow, this is great, Jesus, wow. You know, it's going to be, you're going to be that five-year-old kid again at your own birthday party, right? So, anyway, he is worthy of our praise. Amen. Amen. Father, oh God, you have done marvelous things. Lord, when we think of Jesus dying on the cross for us, when we think, Lord, if we could just get a glimpse of hell and back again, Lord, how grateful we would be if we could get a glimpse of what uh, glory has 
for us, Lord, we would be jumping and spinning and, and just carrying on, Lord. Um, just the fact that you have uh, taken away our sin, that you have given us an opportunity to know you and to walk with you and to fellowship with you. Lord, if nothing else, God, that you would be so, so worthy of our praise. And yet, Lord, you have shown yourself over and over your faithfulness, your goodness in our lives so, so many times. God, you are worthy to be praised, worthy to be exalted, worthy to be shouted about, and worthy to be kneeled before, knelt before. Oh, Lord. May we enter into a greater experience of praise to you. Be glorified in us and through us. We thank you. Through Jesus we pray. Amen.